fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. Happy Friday, man. I know it's been a long week back at it after all the holidays. You're already wanting some time off. I guess we can allow you to have that. Pat yourself on the back, man. You made it to a Friday. You scream ice cream. We all scream for ice cream, which is what we do every day. We scream for other things as well, but ice cream sounds like a relatively appropriate one. If you live anywhere in the Mid-America region, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Northern Texas, Colorado, yeah, we got some nice, cool weather coming around here. I'm based out of Wichita, Kansas. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, your millennial general, reporting for duty like we do every single day. And I am so happy. I, I was driving to work. I got to tell you, personal story of the day, even if you don't live in this area, maybe you can just imagine this in your mind's eye for a moment. Think about this. You're driving to work early in the morning. It's dark still because it's get, it's slowly getting brighter earlier in the morning, but it's still relatively dark. The fog's out. It's snowing like crazy outside. I was driving to work this morning, and it, I mean, it was coming out with big snowflakes. We have, I don't know, a couple inches of snow out there. It's not too bad, but it's wet, heavy, nice, beautiful stuff. It's not the dry, fluffy stuff. It is the wet, heavy stuff. And it reminded me of when I was a child in high school in Colorado driving to the ski resorts in the morning. And it was that exact type of snow. The roads were wet. There were people spinning off all over the place. It was hilarious to watch. I feel bad. <laughs> Andy, that's mean. I feel bad for them. I really do. As long as they're okay, then you got to chuckle a little bit because some of them were making really dumb road decisions that led to them spinning off the road. I saw it firsthand. So I'm glad they're okay. Let's do it a little bit more smartly next time, shall we? Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But I hope everybody's all right. And with all the, uh, the spinoffs that I did see early on this morning, but it reminded me of the drive to the ski resorts. Early in the morning, and that type of snow and the the darkness and the fog, it was beautiful. I loved it. It threw the nostalgic moment. And I realized that Little Voice of Reason is getting at that age, and I think I need to teach her how to go snowboard up on the mountain. So uh, maybe taking some time at some point. I don't know if it's going to be the spring or next fall, but nonetheless, I'm going to be taking her out to Colorado to the mountains and teaching her how to snowboard because I got to get back on the mountain, man. Kind of feeling it. Kind of missing it. All right, welcome into it. we got a lot to get to today. Welcome into the show. Bottom of this hour, Michael Schwartz, another new guest on the program. I love it. All the new fresh voices we're hearing on here. He is the author of the latest book, Fauci Fiction, the book on COVID. Yeah, we're going to jump into it and the uh, latency of what the truth really is with regarding COVID-19. Now that we're seeing on the rise RSV cases, cold cases, and then coincidentally, COVID cases are on the rise every time that there's a cold season or there's a flu season or the RSV cases around the nation, predominantly in late uh, late fall, early winter time, all of a sudden COVID-19 cases back on the rise. So, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So we'll touch on that in just a little bit with him and what lies were spread by the government and why we no longer trust many government agencies. But outside of that, man, there's some big news going on today as well. What's trending I don't know if you're today. aware. I don't know if you're aware of it, but tomorrow is the three-year anniversary of the attempted Civil War uprising overthrowing of the federal government by Donald J. Trump and his radical extremist MAGA individuals. Right? Is that is that is that is that true? Is that okay? I mean, apparently tomorrow's the three-year anniversary of January sixth, and Joe Biden has officially kicked off his new campaign with the latest speech from Valley Forge just a little bit ago. Let's go into the Biden basement. 
Today, we gather in a new year, some 246 years later, just one day before January 6th. A date forever shared in our memory because it was on that day that we nearly lost America. Wow. Lost it all. Today, we're here to answer the most important of questions. Is democracy still America's sacred cause? I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. That was Joe Biden just a little bit ago with his speech at Valley Forge, the three-year anniversary of January 6th. This is his campaign. They have realized, as we've said so many times before, he has zero platform to run on. He has no policy that has been successful. His foreign policy is in complete shambles right now. The economy is not doing well with Bidenomics, and it's it's in complete shambles, and they've backed off on that one. The social issues are starting to turn against him. The identity politics thing is starting to turn against him. The wall is uh, completely irrelevant at the southern border, and the immigration policy is a complete disaster. He has nothing positive to run on. And the only thing he has to run on is that Donald Trump tried to overthrow the American government and therefore don't vote for Donald Trump. I have to admit, this is a boldly stupid move from so many political consultants that he has on his team. Now, to be honest, I mean, you have the mainstream media, you have the typical political consultant, you have the establishment, you have the ones that have been in politics for their entire careers. And this is the direction that you tell Joe Biden, the sitting president of the United States, to go in order to run for the race. Now, I get it. We're like a week away from the Iowa caucuses. We are getting down to the wire, man. And Donald Trump's still leading vastly in the polls for the Republicans. So Joe Biden already senses that that's going to be his political opponent in the general election. And obviously, Operation Joe Biden tripped down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe has not yet fully commenced because he still thinks he's going to be the nominee. And let's be honest, we're getting down to the wire where we're going to validate that by primaries and caucuses in the next few weeks. And unless someone steps up radically in the next week or so, then it's going to be Joe Biden, at least on the ticket, until someone has to do an emergency supplemental replacement, which could be maybe their uh, their safety net in case Donald Trump's leading so far in the polls that they don't want to look like they're losing that badly. They can't rig the election as badly again. So therefore, he drops out. It throws the election in shambles, and they throw it to the Republicans and say, you didn't really win. We just gave up because we didn't have anybody else. I mean, I guess that's an emergency 911 call they could make, but this is the platform? I got I to gotta tell you, I, I get it. You and I, we're in politics. We focus on politics a lot. We're obviously, for the most part, listeners on this program are on the right side of the aisle. Many of them, most of them, probably Trump supporters in some way. So we look at it and we just laugh and we're like, wow, this is a really stupid way for you to attack because you're not going to win anybody over. But let's step away from it and let's look at it from a nonpartisan, non-politically minded individual for just a second, which is what Joe Biden and Donald Trump, mind you, need to find a way to appeal to. Because we already have Donald Trump's a very divisive person. Joe Biden's a very divisive person. You either love one and hate the other or vice versa. You're not going to have a whole lot of the fringe, middle of the road, wishy-washy, I'm not sure which one to go towards. There's a very small crowd in there if there's any crowd there at all. And I'm looking to this from a political consultant mindset. If we were on the campaign trail, how would we appeal to a larger, broader base? Because we already had this election. If this this is going to be the case, we're going to see a repeat of 2020. What did that turn out to look like? And you either love Donald Trump or you hate Donald Trump. You either see Joe Biden as a dementia patient or you think that he's the savior for the party because he's not Donald Trump. (laughs) There's no one that actually likes Joe Biden. They're just like, he's the Democrat and he's not Donald Trump. So I guess he's all right. There's not a middle crowd in most elections. 
you have your ba- every both parties look at it, look at the spectrum, look at the geography, look at the layout of the voters, and they say, all right, here's our base, here's their base, and here's the ones that are reachable in the middle. And I ask you the question as someone not who's a politically savvy person, but someone who just wants to live their life, who ignores politics and gets frustrated by politics, that if you're hearing this type of speech of absolute insanity and fear-mongering, trying to scare the you-know-what out of you, does this win anybody over on your side? This is not rhetorical, academic, or hypothetical. Whether democracy is still America's sacred cause is the most urgent question of our time. That's what the 2024 election is all about. The choice is clear. Donald Trump's campaign is about him, not America, not you. Donald Trump's campaign is obsessed with the past, not the future. He's willing to sacrifice our democracy, put himself in power. Our campaign is different. For me and Kamala, our campaign is about America. It's about you. It's about every age and background that occupy this country. It's about the future we're going to continue to build together. And our campaign is about preserving and strengthening our American democracy. Three years ago tomorrow, we saw with our own eyes the violent mob storm the United States Capitol. All right, I want to stop there for just some, just a moment right here. I don't know if you remember about this same time, maybe a little bit earlier. I want to say September of 2022, right about that time. And I remember that specifically because I was on anniversary with the wife and we were camping and I turned on my phone for just a split moment to see what was going on in the world and joe biden had released this video and if you remember it was him walking up and it was dark behind him and he had the red lights and it looked very uh, creepy dictator-esque where he made his speech talking about how donald trump and maga republicans were the threat to democracy they were the domestic terrorists and how were the they were the most politically threatening and the most violent organization in american history you remember that speech this is that speech refreshed, recycled, and played all over again for a campaign ad. This is what he's doing right now. And again, did it work then? No, it didn't. Is it working now? Probably not. Again, think of it in the mindset, not as the Republican who's trying to rebut this, but as the person who doesn't want anything to do with politics but wants to be a civic member or civically-minded individual turning out to go vote and trying to decide who they're going to vote for, who doesn't like a Joe Biden or a Donald Trump, let's say, How do you win somebody over? Is this going to win them over by someone saying that, again, an entire group of individuals, Donald Trump, the Republican Party behind Donald Trump, and the Republican voters that wear the red hats, the MAGA individuals, the election deniers, the radically whatever, the domestic terrorists are a threat to democracy, and that's what this election is all about. Don't worry about policy. Don't worry about agendas. Don't worry about ideals. Don't worry about the direction of the nation. The only thing this race is about is stopping Donald Trump from overthrowing our democracy in the nation, saving the country as a democracy. Now, again, it hurts me to say this because every time I say it, the the warning flag pops up on my mind of, Andy, we don't have a democracy. I get it. But for the average Joe Schmo voter, the low information voter that Rush Limbaugh used to talk about, that's what we're trying to appeal to right now. How do we make them recognize and which side are they going to fall on at the end of the day? Or does this do one of two things, which is my theory? Are they, number one, going to vote for a different individual third party, which is why you see someone like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. sitting at like, 
I don't know, 30% when Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and RFK Jr. are all sitting there together. They're all within 10-point margins of each other as a third-party candidate, one of the largest, most influential third-party candidates that we've seen in a very long time, or they're just not going to show up to vote. Because fear, paranoia, anger, hatred are very powerful emotions. But because they're very powerful, how can you... If you're trying to weightlift and you're trying to do the max weightlift, how long can you do that for? You get exhausted pretty quickly. You get fatigued. You get burnt out. And anger, hatred, fear, paranoia, while they're very strong emotions, you can't maintain that for long periods of time. So coming out on January 5th, one day away from the January 6th three-year anniversary here, You can't maintain that level of paranoia and absolute hatred. Democrats are very good at it because they built up a tolerance to it, so they have to keep dialing up the notch a little more and more and more. But how long for the average voter is it for them to actually be that angered and hated or hating somebody else throughout this entire mindset? This is not going to work. It's either going to make them vote for a third party or not vote at all. Joe Biden is not listening to some very smart people in the political consultant area about how to appeal to voters right now by promoting a positive message of what he's done in this nation. And I get it, he can't, but this? This is what he's going on? This is the best he's got? Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans, the domestic terrorists, not only is it a stupid campaign tactic, but again, it's a very dangerous path to travel. Because if he's allowing to say this stuff against an entire registered republic or a political organization and affiliation, what is that moon moving down the road? We'll do that when we come back. Stay here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back in 24 minutes past the hour. Again, we're trying to approach this not from the super analytical political side of things because, let's be honest, at the end of the day, there's only, what, a third of the American public that actually goes out to vote? Maybe a half, not quite. So the ones that are super into this, that are either wanting to analytically pick this thing apart, which we could do, or the ones that are on that side be like, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, you have a third of the nation that's then split in half between those two, one one on each side. The average American listening to something like this, does this actually appeal them to, to this appeal to them that, hey, I need to go out and vote for Joe Biden now? I don't think it does. So what's the purpose of something like this other than, again, you're demonizing an entire sect that called for unity one time. By the way, the same speech that they did in September of 2022 when they talked about how we need to bring everybody together. We're I'm the president for everybody. We're going to sing Hold Hands and Kumbaya. And it's going to bring unity to the nation, except for those MAGA individuals, which is like the entire Republican Party and our political opponents. They're domestic terrorists. They're the most evil, violent hatred uh, uh, threats to democracy in the United States. And that's what they hear from us constantly. That's what we hear from them all the time, constantly, that we're all going to die if Donald Trump takes back office. We're all going to die because to the point, of you! To the point where now they say that Donald Trump will execute his political opponents when he takes office. This is why he says, Joe Biden said in the speech today at Valley Forge, when he relates it to, now remember, he's on his tour right now of Revolutionary War spots, Civil War hotspots, other places, talking about the violence. This is his entire campaign. You're not going to see him 
the months leading up into the actual election. You're going to see it now around this time, and it's going to be at certain war historical sites and relating it to the threat to democracy that was then and what the threat to democracy is today. So you have two choices, according to Joe Biden. Either you have the upheaval of the entire American system by voting in Donald Trump in a tyrant and a king and a dictator and a Nazi and a fascist and all this other terms that they're going to throw out there, or you have me that's trampled all over the Constitution, but by golly, I am the savior of this country, and I'm going to be your grandpa that everybody loves. And I may not remember that I did it, but by golly, I did it. But that's why he said how important this race is to him. This is not rhetorical, academic, or hypothetical. It's not hypothetical. The democracy is still America's sacred cause is the most urgent question of our time. That's what the 2024 election is all about. That's what it's, That's all he has. That's his entire campaign right there is it's not Donald Trump and Donald Trump's going to come after you. Again, this is not only a stupid campaign tactic because the average American that doesn't like to follow politics that heavily is not going to appeal to that type of rhetoric. They don't want to be angry all the time. We don't want to be fearful all the time. We don't want to be hating somebody all the time. Guess what, Joe Biden, whether you accept it or not, half of the country is Republican. And right now, the polls show that 80% of the Republican Party are Trump supporters. So you're literally saying that anybody that disagrees with your political ideology is now a domestic terrorist and a threat to this nation. That's a wild statement for an elected official to say. Not only is it stupid, but God forbid, let's say they try to pull what they did in 2020 and they find every reason to keep Donald Trump off the ballots and they try to make sure they do some type of election fraud or they, they or even God, forbid, and I'm going to say this without trying to laugh at some point, somehow but let's say that they actually win legitimately ah see see what we did there let's say they win legitimately against donald trump do you really trust a president that said that half of the country that affiliates with a separate party other than him do you really think that you can trust him we haven't been able to trust him here so far and if that's the rhetoric from a president not only that doesn't like the other side, but now has no political angle to try and win re-election or have to worry about winning re-election or keeping popularity polls up because he's already hit the bottom of the barrel and one of the least approved presidents in American history. If that's the case, then what is he going to do to those political opponents? Remember, remember what narcissists do. Look in the mirror and whatever they're accusing somebody else of doing is usually what they're going to do. And a Democrat Party calling Republicans and MAGA individuals domestic terrorists and threats to democracy that need to be silenced. What are they going to do to us if they have full reign without worrying about polls or getting reelected? This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last half hour of the program, man, how it flies by it so fast. Always having so much fun on the program, trying to cram that 10 pounds reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one 
radio listener at a time. I don't know the reason. What's the definition of insanity again? Oh, yeah, that's right. Trying to do the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Right now, we have the Biden administration out there. Valley Forge visiting visiting different historical war sites in America, Revolutionary War, Civil War sites, talking about the dictatorship Donald Trump would bring. He tried to actually say that Donald Trump said he, quote, would be a dictator, end quote, on his tweety. That's not true. That's not the case at all. And, in fact, he's a big, fat, lying liar. But will the media hold him accountable? No, no. Don't do that. Man, but that's all they got. It's a wild time when that's all you have. And that's the rhetoric. It's the rhetoric all over again. The definition of insanity, calling Donald Trump a dictator for the 100 millionth time, having the media say that Donald Trump would literally execute his political opponents if he gets into office and then think that somehow that's going to win over a whole bunch of new people. It hasn't worked. It's not working. And if that's the only thing on your campaign that you're going to do, then, man, I guess it's better than sitting in your basement. But golly, dude. All right, let's shift gears a little bit, shall we? What's trending today? So as you know, 2020 hindsight's always better than what it is actually in real time. But we are learning a lot about how we handled certain things over the past few years. And now that we're getting back to the, and I use this in air quotes, new normal after the COVID-19 pandemic, did we learn anything? Now, I'm seeing headlines all over the country, and especially here in Kansas, where my flagship station is here in Wichita. Even though we have places all over the place, we have a rising COVID-19 cases right now. In fact, across Kansas, just a little heads up for you as well with listeners that listen all over the states and I'm sure even in your neck of the woods, wherever you may be as well, that hospitals are actually limiting visitors again because of the rising COVID-19, RSV, cold cases, flu cases, and everything under the sun, which ironically, the COVID cases always seem to increase now at the same time that we have colds and flu and RSV and whatever else they try to call it. I don't know, coincidence or not, apparently the the COVID-19 virus, just like how it didn't go to bars after 10 o'clock at night during the pandemic, that now it only comes out during the wintertime and when it's really cold outside. So are we getting the true information and what's really going on and how do we prepare ourselves for moving forward with this because we see this all brand new push about getting vaccines and wearing masks and limiting visitorship and whatever else they're doing excited to have on the program he is author of the book fauci fiction the book on covid happy to have on here michael schwartz michael how are you my friend i'm great andy thanks for having me yeah yeah it's good to have good to have you on here happy new year to you it is wild that we're going down this road do you, do you find it kind of interesting that we see covid cases rising the same time that the cold and rsv and the flu and everything's all out there at the same time as well no, it's it's actually the natural progression, and it's funny. I heard you do the intro there and say that uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I could have told you what's in my book almost four years ago. I actually I'm on record uh, three and a half years ago doing long form podcasts of telling everybody what's in the book because ironically we knew this stuff because we were the first ones to do a COVID test in my home state of New Jersey. Uh, and after you do forty four thousand people and you have nineteen thousand patients, your perspective on COVID is pretty different than the myopic view that most people have. And it's very different than what the media and the government were telling you the entire time. Mm. So what is it when you started seeing these and you started doing testing for COVID, uh, being one of the first ones to come out and start doing this, what was the parallels? What was the, the, what was some of the interesting uh, points that you found here? Well, I mean, we were the first. We were the very first. One of the labs we worked with was one of the first 30 in the nation to get FDA approval. And we've been doing something called a respiratory pathogen panel for years. Um, so we were equipped to go out the door on the first day we were allowed to test, which was March 16th of 2020. 
Now, of course, you know, when we're out testing, we're taking precautions because we didn't know what to expect like the rest of the country. But, you know, the first couple times you test a 75-year-old couple and you're calling them, telling them they're positive and you're following up with them day after day and they're recovering in two or three days after the fever breaks and they're looking at you for advice. Like, what do I do now? You know, is, it, is that it? Uh, that's kind of the trend that we started to see right early on. It was most people were recovering very, very quickly. In fact, 85 to 90 percent of people that we that were positive in our in our caseload uh, were asymptomatic or mild. But you got to understand there's a difference between, you know, when someone understands mild or asymptomatic. A lot of people don't realize that the most common symptom of covid is a headache. It has to do with hemoglobin uptake issues. And people were expecting to get classic symptoms like a cough, a fever or shortness of breath. So when you look at the overall data, most people don't really get sick from COVID. Uh, and the, the ones that were the sickest of the sick usually had a co-infection. And you would only know that by testing properly, doing a respiratory pathogen panel. There's 31 things on that panel. The sickest of the sick usually had COVID and staph, which is a respiratory bacterial infection. Uh, to put it in perspective, I had a guy a couple of years ago who had COVID, staph, H-flu, and RSV all at the exact same time. So you have to understand what you're dealing with. You have to diagnose it properly and understand it before you treat it. That's a wildly different story than what we heard from the mainstream media, Michael, because what we heard was that, no, 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 the, the pre-existing conditions, the dual uh, uh, confer- confirmations of different illnesses of having COVID and something else, that's not really the case. It's COVID specifically that's killing off and putting all these people into hospitals. And you're saying that's not the case. Now, well, look, if you're in the pool of population that can die in the next five years, a cold can bring you down, a flu can bring you down, COVID can bring you down. You're susceptible. Um, but understanding what you're treating has a lot to do with it. So, you know, when, when you're doing a rapid test at home, which it doesn't really work anyway, uh, to, to determine whether you have COVID and you think that's all you got without going to the doctor, realizing you might have the H flu on top of it and needs to be treated with a, an antibiotic. I mean, you really got to be specific when you're looking at these things. But I have data on 19,000 patients that not only includes co-infection, but it includes viral load, which is more important than than even co-infection has to do, and comorbidity. We have a lot of data. I think we're the only ones in the country that have what's called horizontal data. That's where you test the exact same population over and over and over because we were doing school districts, police departments, nursing homes every single week, the same population. It tells you a lot when you have that horizontal data, not only on testing itself, but vaccines, uh, antibodies, because we have data on how long those antibodies lasted after natural infection versus how long they lasted after the vaccine. There's a lot to digest when it comes to COVID. Yeah, there's a lot of things to break down here. We're talking with Dr. Michael Schwartz. Uh, He operates three different medical clinics across New Jersey and the state of Florida. Also, his book, Fauci's Fiction, the book on COVID. Uh, Let's talk about the misinformation and i get it when something new's coming out something we're not necessarily familiar with maybe we have the basic understandings of i get it the quote-unquote science changes things change on how we handle this thing but dr fauci leading it at the federal level telling people that no 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 at the beginning we don't need to wear masks masks don't really do anything the particles of the virus are so small it doesn't really go th- it goes through a cloth mask so it doesn't really help to the point of yes we need to wear a mask to the point of the media then pushing like, oh, we need to wear like three masks because then we'll totally be protected. What's the truth here? And from what you saw early on, were masks even necessary for that entire year, year and a half that we had to wear them? Masks are the second dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire career. <laughs> uh, all right. If, if you got to remember, you're not duct taping that, that blue surgical mask to your face, right? So you're, ble- you're breathing through the path of least resistance. And when you, when you get into air fluidity and particle size, the particle size of COVID is 0.1 micron. Those masks are rated for three microns. So even if you had it duct taped to your face, it's not going to stop the particles from coming through, but it's not duct taped to your face. So you're just breathing through the sides and around the top and around the nose. 
any particle less than 0.25 microns in size doesn't settle by gravity. So you're, you're walking around. I demonstrate this with my, my vape pen all the time, where you're just kind of walking around in a cloud of particles, and it only takes one live particle to infect you. When you could fit 500 million on a pinhead, and you have somebody symptomatic in a room, you're walking around amongst millions and billions of particles. What the mass did, they did one thing. They did one, one real specific thing. They made it worse because it breeds a warm, moist environment for bacterial growth. And a lot of these patients were coming back with those staph infections, H. flu, meroxalic cataralis, all these bacterial infections that go along. These people aren't wearing sterile masks. They're putting them in their pocket. It's in their car. It really is the second dumbest thing I've ever seen. Fauci was right when he said that in the first place. He should have stuck to his guns. It was kind of ironic when Donald Trump came out and said, I'm not going to wear a mask. Then all of a sudden, everybody wanted to do the opposite of what the president had said. Is, is that why they changed their tone on that? Why do you think that the medical reason why Fauci shifted and said, all of a sudden, yeah, now we need to wear masks? I think he was trying to come up with, I mean, if you go back, I mean, you could look at this stuff and where we were in a time. Maybe he was trying to come up with something to make the public feel better. But I mean, I mean, the, the rules were kind of dumb. Six feet. I quote Dr. Lydia Baruba in my book from MIT, who did a, a study just on breathing in a room, uh, high-speed cameras. 27.2 feet was the spread, not six feet. We're making up numbers. We should have been really specific with people, not just on that stuff, but, you know, the, the timelines of viruses, what viruses are, how they transmit. Um, the, you know, most people don't know the difference today, four years into this, between isolation and quarantine. And I know that sounds like semantics, but you would think that if we were in the most deadly pandemic the world's ever seen— Maybe we should get on the same page with language. You would think so. I think we're going to look back at that time and look at some of the stuff that we did, like you said, the six feet thing, and people having pictures of like balloons around their head that were six feet long to keep that bubble around them, the wearing the mask, the the plastic barriers between me and the checkout person, even though she's touching the same things that I was holding on to, at least I didn't breathe on her with the plastic barrier between us. Are we going to look back on this time and say, wow, uh, humanity really lost their minds and had no clue what the hell we were doing? Yeah, I look at it like that now. I mean, I went to the pharmacy yesterday. There were three counter people, and two of them had masks on. I'm rolling my eyes, <laughs> thinking, you know, do I trust the, the expertise of the pharmacists here because they don't understand science as it is? I mean, it's just it really, I mean, this stuff is out there. You know, we were trying to tell everybody who would listen. Nobody wanted to listen. I even had Republican gubernatorial candidates ask me what I thought. Uh, and, and a lot of people didn't want to go against the mask mandate. They felt like, you know what, I think most people think it's doing something when I just explained it's really not, it's actually making it worse. So you a lot of people kind of, you know, in the middle here going with, well, what, what makes the public feel better about themselves? And, and that's not our job. Our job is to keep them safe and make them feel healthy. But, you know, we're creating a, a mental issue. Kids out of school, suicide rates going up, yeah. the amount of businesses that were shut down. People arrested on beaches for, for surfing. I mean, come on. It, it got absurd. Yeah, it got absurd. It really, it, you're right. It, it was more the feel good. That we're doing something to have some type of control in our life, almost like the, you know, the Cold War sitting under our desk in case a nuclear bomb hits kind of thing. So uh, you're right. I think it's that mindset of at least we have some sort of control, so let's force everybody to do it. we got to take a break here. It's Dr. Michael Schwartz. The book is Fauci's Fiction, the book on COVID. When we come back, I want to talk on some of the other hot topics regarding this issue. The certain medications that weren't allowed, if you know what I mean, along with vaccines that were mandated. What happened here? What was the real truth behind all this, and how do we make sure it doesn't happen again? Lots more coming up. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last couple of minutes on the show. Oh, how the time flies right on by. Fastest hour of radio on, well, radio. Multiple radio stations all over the place. Fascinating conversation as we look back on what happened over the past few years to make sure it doesn't happen again. Author of the book Fauci's Fiction, the book on COVID. It's Dr. Michael Schwartz. He's had three different medical clinics throughout New Jersey and the state of Florida as well, along with his book now talking about what the true facts were, the truth about COVID-19, which I guess in today's times, truth irrelevant, right? You can just say whatever you want to and make it truth. That's according to Tweety and what the other side tries to tell us. So let's talk about some of these. We've had the masks that didn't do us any good, but yet it was the feel-good law. And the feel-good law turned into you're not allowed to walk outside your door unless you have them and multiples of them. And your children need to sit in classroom for eight hours a day with them as well. Let's get to the big topical controversy of COVID, uh, Michael, and let's talk about vaccines for just a moment because uh, we shut the economy down. We told everybody they were non-essential. They couldn't open up their mom and pop shop. They couldn't go to work. They couldn't make a living. And then when we came back, you could only come back if you got a vaccine in order to fight this. And when you get the vaccine, unlike every other, now I'm not a doctor, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but unlike every other vaccine that like doesn't stop you from having it or being able to spread it, it just puts it in your system so it activates your immune system, know how to fight it kind of thing. This one, this will stop you from spreading any type of virus of COVID-19 out there so where no one else can get it. But if you're unvaccinated, then you're probably going to kill everybody that's already gotten the vaccine, right? <laughs> Well, a couple of things to unpack there. One, I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a research doctor, and I manage medical staff. So I'm more of an analyst. I take the data, and I look at it, and I have a couple of medical certs as well. But that's kind of irrelevant with the book. It's not a medical book. It's a data book. So, uh, yeah, it, it is inappropriate to use the word vaccine, especially to somebody who's 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. They're thinking long-term immunity like polio, hep B, 10 years, whatever, lifetime immunity with polio. It, it's really kind of it's sad when you think about it. They changed the definition of the word vaccine during this entire time period to fit their narrative, which is really unfair. I mean, you really only get about 120-day antibody response from these shots. Let's call them what they are. They're kind of like flu shots, right? And uh, I want to make something clear to you and your audience. I did not not recommend a vaccine only because because we you know thought there may be issues with them. We didn't recommend vaccines because they didn't work. And quite frankly, you just don't need them. I mean, I didn't lose one patient uh, out of my 4,000 positives. The entire time, we only had four people go to the hospital. So if you can imagine my perspective, you had, if you had come to me and said, Mike, do I need this thing? I'd say, no, I kind of laughingly know. It's stupid. Um, all my patients are fine. They're getting over this. So why would I give you something experimental that we've never tried before? You know, when you get into vaccines, you can't just say the word vaccine. We, we used to use attenuated vaccines, viral vector vaccines. This is something completely different. This is an mRNA technology that we've never used. So when when you say this to patients, you know, they pick up the liberal mantra and say, oh, you're anti-vax. That's the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, I had a hep B vaccine a couple of years ago because I work in medicine, um, you know, but it's a different type of vaccine. It's not like a flu shot mRNA thing that we're just trying out on, you know, everybody in humanity. So yeah. it's, it's quite, you got to get the language down. You got to get the language down. But that's what they told us during these arguments over the past years with so many people. I mean, I've, I'll be the first to admit, I have not gotten a vaccine. Now I'm 35. I'm on the younger age of the spectrum here. So I didn't feel I needed it. My wife even has lupus and she chose not to get the vaccine as well because we were concerned because there's been a lack of trust after all the shenanigans over the past few years. When people told us this is what you have to do, we kind of felt like needing to go the opposite direction. But that was the argument, Michael, is that if you don't do it, like you said, you're an anti-vaxxer and that you're killing people just like polio did. And they tried to relate the two. 
think about how wrong they were when you watch Joe Biden get on television and say you can't give it, you can't get it if you get the vaccine. We all knew that for months before he got on television. We're wondering where he's getting his talking points from, or is this guy really lost it at this point? And I, me, like myself, I'm just like you and your wife. I, I never got vaccinated. And I've had COVID three times. Big deal. Uh, I got over it like every one of my other patients did. But let's talk about some of the things we're starting to see from the vaccines. And we saw very early on the joint issues, the heart issues, the cardiomyopathy. Everybody's heard about you know, that and the pericarditis, the myocarditis. But you, know, you don't hear things like joint issues. You don't hear the things that we see constantly. We've been talking about for over two years now, the, the cancer issues, the abundances of cancer that we're seeing now in patients that are either young and it came out of nowhere. And the, the one word we, we, we hear a lot is with a vengeance. That's scary, too, because you hear about these things. You hear about somebody going to the hospital for a treatment or an illness, and then all of a sudden they're doing scans and realize you've got full-blown stage four cancer out of nowhere. Uh, patients who were in remission with cancer, and now it's back with a vengeance. I'll use the word again. That's the scary stuff that you do not hear about. And unfortunately, and I'm writing a second book about this, the way these things get reported it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't get reported the traditional way that no. the, uh, the the COVID positives got reported. So, and we'll get into that, you know, at a later time. Well, we got to do it again soon, my friend. We're out of time here. It is Michael J. Schwartz. Go check it out. MichaelJSchwartz.com is the website. Go check out the book on Amazon and other places. The Fauci's fiction, the book on COVID. Michael, we appreciate it very much, my friend. We got to do it again real soon. Appreciate the time. Great information. We'll break that down. Until then, we're back at it again on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. This is the Voice of Reason. We'll see you on the radio.